Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. <laughs> Gone with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. He showed up a half hour late, and you know, at that time they were uh, into the weed and all this stuff, and oh, it was wild. They were jumping on the weed and everything. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you never got into the weed, huh, Dana? Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show here on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns, and once again, Tammy isn't in the studio with us because we've got to finish up our discussion with that little girl from Motown, Dana Hartwick. She was a child prodigy on the flute and piccolo and was the player on a slew of your favorite Motown hits. Now, look, this is our second show with Dana, so if you haven't caught the first show, please visit our website. We post them all there. You have to click on the episodes link, but we post them all right in a row. Go to southeastern.edu slash rockschool. Rockschool is all one word. southeastern.edu slash rockschool. All one word. And click on the episodes tab and boom, there it is. She's the top two shows that are sitting there. In this hour, Motown ends. She moves to L.A., she records with major names, goes on stage with major names, and then picks up on these humongous touring Broadway companies literally for years at a time. Imagine signing up to go on tour for three years. She did it, and it becomes ten. How does that work? Where do you stay? What do you eat? What happens? We're going to get into all of that because... She's going to tell us right now for an hour. The woman behind so much of the music you love, that little girl from Motown, Dana Hartwick on Rock School. You played on what many people believe to be the magnum opus of Motown, and that's Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. I I just have to ask you, this is the way I, when I hear about these things, I mean, did, you know, do artists know while they're creating it, that this is going to be more than popular. It's going to be seminal. Did you have that feeling, or was it just another session? Absolutely not. No, really? Why not? Gordy did not want him to put that out. No. And uh, he, um, Marvin insisted, and because they were very close. They did a lot of, a lot of stuff together. And it was totally different from anything at Motown. And uh, it did turn out to be a big hit, surprisingly for Gordy. Uh, and then uh, I was down to Hitsville last Friday. Mm-hmm. It was uh, um, 50 years of what's going on. Yeah. And so um, I actually spoke to two tours. And uh, it, it, was, it was really, really nice. But I was just part of the strings in the 
in the actual cut. And uh, actually, there was one section that was kind of a jazz section. And being classically trained, I wasn't really a, a jazz player. Yeah. But uh, my my partner in on tour said, "Oh, you got to hear that. It's really good." So I finally yeah. did hear it years later. <laughs> did you, by any chance, play on the follow up? to what's going on. I think it's called You're the Man. Did you play on that? I gotta say, I don't remember. I'd have to listen to it. You'd I have don't to think listen so, to it? Well, that was the... It, it. I didn't know all the backstory with Gordy not wishing to put out what's going on. Because, you know, I, I just missed all of that, being it being so... No, it was seminal. a racial thing that uh, they didn't want to put out at all. It was a racial thing? What's the... Expound well, no, upon I mean, that. it was at the time of turmoil around oh, yeah. the six, okay. seven riots. Yeah, well, that makes 100% sense. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you died. <laughs> also played outside of Motown. You did some work on Stax Records. Weren't you on Shaft? Theme from Shaft? Yeah, I did all, all the uh, first two albums um, for Isaac Hayes before he ever did um, a live concert, a live rock concert. Yeah. And uh, so one of the uh, albums was called Hot Buttered Soul. Oh, I know it. And I played on practically every number in those two albums uh, and uh, the rock concerts were something else plus he put on a show besides singing he had a girl with him and he came out in chains and she came out in chains and she had an ermine coat on and they did this big ritual and it was like unbelievable now, like something. and I remember the first one he showed up a half hour late and you know at that time they were uh into the weed and all this stuff and oh it was the wild weed. they were jumping the on the weed. stage and everything yeah oh wow <laughs> you never got into the weed huh dana no i found out just uh late much later when we were going through a 60th birthday party for someone they said you have no idea how we protected you oh yeah yeah well that's you you would you hear these things now and again how how much of a gentleman people are that you think would be debauchery and such but the funk brothers and all those other people they protected you that's oh yeah they were all very nice to me yeah about that hey there were some other interesting things that i i did include uh involving like the happening that was done with the supremes right that was towards the beginning and then i actually we went to the uh, united artists theater close by Anthony Quinn was there. He was in the movie, and uh, and it was really quite spectacular. Fantastic. And then uh, another um, interesting one was My Whole World Ended the Day You Left Me, David Ruffin. And I've got the whole 
introduction myself, and then later on, as the uh, um, record progresses, I have some fancy little stuff I just put in there. So that's really uh, an outstanding one. Was that Ruffin's? There really are so, so many. Was that Ruffin's first solo album? I'm not sure. I think so. Okay, I'll take your word but, for it. Because you know, later his brother recorded uh, also. Right. But um, that was yeah, that was the most outstanding. Let me let me go yeah. back. Let me go back. Let me go back. You were talking about uh, uh, Shaft and the, the the fella coming out chains the the whole schmiel. Did you uh, did you see him perform, or were you actually on stage and on performed? stage with him? How long did you tour with him? Oh, no, no, not tour. It was two. Um, the first uh, one was at Pine Knob here. And uh, the second one was at U of D. And that was the loudest I've ever heard in my life. Everything was shaking. <laughs> oh, the, the, the band or the audience coming back at you? The band. Well, everything. No, everything. I don't know if it was had to do with the room. I mean... Things were loud outside, but then the other was inside uh, U of D. So it, I think it was. I don't remember the details, but all I remember is it was it was uh, loud. shockingly loud. Sh- yeah, <laughs> shockingly loud. Yeah. Did you yeah. ever go on tour with any of the Motown groups that went out? That Barry Gordy used mm-hmm. to put them into no. groups and send out. No. No. What you no, do? No, I think I think they were like you know, as far as the singing groups and the musicians. I I was I they didn't use women then. Oh. And uh, you know I I want to put out a book at some time. I have no help, but I the little girl from Motown because I just kind of tried my darndest to fit in, but uh, I was just so um, well young and different. <laughs> Wait, go back, go back. You want the name of the book to be? The little girl from Motown. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Hey, that's a that's a good topic. No one understands him, but his woman. John Jack. When you and I first spoke, you talked about something you were really proud of, which you called the ending trill on your flute or piccolo. I don't remember. It's one of the two. What yeah, is this? Piccolo. What is this trill? Well, this is kind of a real cute uh, number, and uh, it's a kind of a fun thing because I hear it on the radio every once in a while, and I thought, "Oh, that's the one with the trill on the end," and sure enough. <laughs> And it's what you see is what you get uh, by little Carl Carlton. There you go. And, yeah. And then there's uh, Everlasting Love, where um, at the very ending, there's a whole melody where it's just uh, me playing piccolo with with the bells. 
And so every once in a while, there are outstanding little parts in, in lots of these records. But there are just so, so many, it's uh, impossible to um, name them all. Plus, there are so many artists that recorded for Motown that you never even realized were with Motown. Soupy Sales. Yeah, yeah you one. told me earlier. Which they Soupy don't Sales. know about there. You know here. But. Yeah. You have to be of a certain age to know Soupy yeah. Sales, as they say. Do you a have... bag of soup. <laughs> have you ever sat down and attempted to simply quantify the number of songs you've played on? No, I could never do that. Because, for instance, when I um, toured in uh, Indiana, um, there was one station that had so many things that I recorded that I've never even heard play here. Huh. And I hadn't heard it in... in in years, only there, and I and um, like for instance, uh, even lately, there are a couple, have been a couple things on that I haven't heard a long time. One is the hat, the hunter gets captured by the game, behind a painted smile, and actually something came up on my internet uh, the other day, which is one um, uh, an original master list, which are with our name on it. Not the record, but uh, the um, written record. Yester you, yester me, yesterday. So every once in a while, these things come up that, um, uh, you know, it just brings back some memories. You just did so much that even a song as big as Stevie Wonder's Yester You, Yesterday, you, it slipped your mind. Is that uh, amazing? It didn't really flip my mind, but yeah. I was surprised to see it written because I didn't think it was that popular. I mean, you don't hear it that much anymore. Uh, it, if if it was anybody other than Stevie Wonder who has this phenomenal collection of music, it would have probably been their biggest hit. Dana, but where you did know, you can you yeah. can hear me playing on YouTube? Now this really goes back. Okay. But I was only 17 years old, and if you put up my name uh, on YouTube, the Vivaldi Piccolo Concerto, the second movement. I was playing this with an orchestra, and I was only 17. I was playing this by memory, and it's the second movement, and that's the first thing that I actually played myself, I think, well, except for the recordings. Uh, but, um, and like, it's, like I said, it's, it's classical, but uh, you can hear me, and it's on piccolo. take our first break give our affiliates a chance to talk to their listeners we're going to be back in one minute to continue talking with dana hartwick the flute and piccolo you hear in your favorite motown songs right here on rock school
Motown. When did it end? What happened? Um, kind of totally unexpected. It, it, uh, I mean, I'm sure Gordy had this planned, and there was a little talk of it, but we didn't think it was going to happen. But in 72 is when they went out to L.A. And at that time, actually, I went out there, too, on my own, figuring, oh, maybe I could, uh, you know, start recording out there. Well, they didn't uh, do any recording. There was hardly any studio uh, because they, at that time he went into the three um, movies, Mahogany, uh, Lady Sings the Blues, and I can't remember the third one. The Wiz? But but occasionally they did, no, I don't think that's no? one I'm thinking. No, that was a stage, I don't know if that was a movie or what. It was, but I don't yeah. think that's one of them. Yeah. But uh, like, for instance, Mahogany, every once in a while they would send something in for me to put my part in. For instance, Mahogany, and then uh, there was um, Marvin's, uh, one of Marvin's songs. Every, yeah, that was every once in a while. And then that kind of fizzled out. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? Do you get what you're hoping for? So you decided to tour your life away with traveling Broadway shows. Well, yeah. Uh, before before touring, I did a lot of Broadway shows here in uh, in Michigan with actually very famous people. Yeah. And we spoke about Yul Brynner, and he came in uh, um, with uh, Zorba the Greek. And um, that, that's kind of a cute story because they each came in for a week doing their shows and uh, we're not far from the theaters and far from Greektown. And so the different restaurants would uh, set up a party for him. And uh, at that time I was dating his limo driver. Oh, okay. So it turned out that I would go to the parties just kind of as a ride, but the fact that uh, the limo driver, Mike, had to stay with the limo, so I kind of wound up being Yul Brynner's date for the uh, for the um, Greek town. Well done. Tell, you, know, the, ba, ba, you know, throwing the plates and all this stuff, I had never seen any of this. So. Well done. <laughs> you, you used his limo driver to get to Yul Brynner. <laughs> and there were so many others, Richard Harris. Zero Mustel, Carol Channing, Mickey wow. Rooney, Imogene Coca, Debbie Reynolds. I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and then at that time, uh, across from the Fisher Theater was um, Saks Fifth Avenue. So I had a part-time job there. So being that it was so close to the theater, I used to uh, dress these people and you know, Miller with her hats and, and uh, 
they used to send me to the men's department for Rock Hudson and, and then these others, you know. So it really turned out to be, well, they knew me, you know, from playing the show, so they felt comfortable with me doing that. That just drives me crazy, Dana, that you are you are two feet from fame. Why are you <laughs> not a wealthy, wealthy woman? Yeah, I know, I know. Well, one thing is, uh, you know, no one knew to keep the, my parents didn't know to keep the uh, um, the uh, written record, I mean, receipts, you know, for the sessions. Uh, I wouldn't have been wealthy then, but a lot more. <laughs> I'd have a lot more money than I do now. Well, uh, who but they kept everything that? for, the, everyone was told seven years. So after that seven years, it was thrown out. Plus, uh, I had moved it there after yeah. that time. Yeah, but um, then there were other uh, important concerts that were at Pine Knob here with, uh, like Linda Ronstadt, Nelson Mills Orchestra, Plaz, uh, who did the Pink Panther. I was playing with him, and he said, "I'm not playing this part." After he heard me play, so for the show, I got to play the Pink Panther part. <laughs> Wait, now, oh, 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 one second. Here comes major acts, and and. The people who were are playing with them simply said she's better than I am and gave up the seat he, to well, you. Well, he did. The fellow who was playing the part of Dunham, but um, you know, the playing playing the part. His name was Plaz, so he's he had me move that. And then there was John Denver just before his uh, his uh, tragic accident, and I remember I loved playing that, and uh, everyone had their lighters out. Oh, it was something. How about that? How much, just for the sake of argument, do you remember how much you got paid to play with John Denver? I have no idea. I would never remember that. Maybe this is half the problem, Dana. It was a set set price uh, through the union, but if we played an extra instrument, like if I played piccolo also, I'd get a little extra for doubling, and if I played uh, alto flute, I'd get a little extra for that. Well, hot dog then. You it, well, pull them it, all kept out. Them from, it kept them from or, uh, hiring two or three people. That's true. Yeah. So they made out, not me. That's right. So hiring you makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. And when I see the sign that points one way, the lot we used to pass by. Told, well, I'm going to have you tell the audience. You told me you picked up a tour one time for three years. Am I remembering that correctly? You were on tour with a Broadway show for three physical years? Well, uh, yeah. Um, oh. uh, the, uh, I was doing some big productions here. First Les Mis, then Cats came back a couple times. It's always a little different. And uh, then I was asked... Um, by the contractor from New York, he came in to for the first week to make sure that they were the right musicians and that we had the right uh, um, 
we actually studied that those for a week because they were so complicated. And at that time, after uh, that show, he came up to me and he said, well, would you like to do a tour? Now, that was a short one. That was just, uh, I had never been on any before. Yeah. But that was uh, like, um, I think it was a month and a half. It was um, music of Andrew Lloyd Webber on stage. And that was really nice. But then after that, uh, this friend of mine from Detroit that I got him on tour, he called and he said, oh, there's an opening to do a Phantom. Would you, do you think you can do it? The only problem is it's three years. Well, I had my home. I had uh, a lot, you know, uh, uh, things a to life. take care of. You had a you know, life. A big doggy, you yeah. name it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I said, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I had to really think about it. Well, I attempted to do it. And uh, we had big trunks and try to bring your life around, your whole life uh, staying at each place three months. You had to ship your car or rent cars, find your own. They gave you a little idea of where to stay. You got a per diem, but it sure didn't cover everything. Well, let me, let me ask so you. So I did it. But then after, I, after that time, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but I was finally just about to come home when I found out that my beautiful Great Pyrenees had had, got, had died yeah. because because uh, um, neglect from the people who were staying at the house. Oh and I, no! I just, I just couldn't I just couldn't come home and face it. So I wound up staying for ten years. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow! You and know, then I no sooner got home, and a month and a half later, uh, I got called from someone in Chicago to do a Vita, because turns out that they all, every time these things come back, they're always a little different, rangers yeah. or, or extra numbers or whatever it is. Well, it turns out that a Mot and I didn't know anything about this, but I did found out later that a Motown ranger, actually the one that uh, did what's going on, uh, arranged one of the numbers and they put in uh, uh, tenor sax. Well, they couldn't find anybody to play the difficult piccolo parts, especially, and play tenor sax. So that's when they flew me in. There you go. So it was great. But yeah. it turned out it was in the middle of the winter and the snow was so deep. After the first week, they had to close the show. Great. <laughs> it was a three-weeker. Great. Thanks <laughs> so that a was lot. the end of touring. Yeah. Now, can I go back and ask you about this three-year tour? Because I'm just running the logistics of this through my head. So you say every stop was three months. Months, yeah. Okay, so here we are. We're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for June, July, August. Did you live in a hotel room? I mean, what? where'd they put you? No, uh, the first tour was they gave us a choice of two hotels. But... um no, it was apartments that they gave us an idea we had to drive to and uh, rent furniture. And I had a bills and a house back home. So, I mean, it's not like I made out big. I mean, I just kind of like broke even or it was like kind of a, like a normal job. And uh, it wasn't easy, especially if you're traveling alone. Now, you okay, once again, here we are. We're in Pittsburgh. Obviously, you have the show. There's a call time. I can't imagine you're doing a lot of practicing because you've played the show 5,000 times. How did you keep your... I mean, what did you do? Watch TV all uh, well, day? <laughs> well, the, 
the way it worked out is we had performances Tuesday through Sunday and uh, two on Saturday and two on Sunday and every I can't remember how this goes now but every other week I think we had uh, we had to work on the Monday also so that was every day and then when we moved to a new city is when we had to uh, we had our uh, we had to play rehearse on our travel day Ugh. and then it was kind of like an all-day rehearsal because they had to change the sound the auditoriums were different I mean uh, and so sometimes it was traveling and then being uh, to rehearsal at eight o'clock the next morning and you were so tired you were ready to drop off it, it was really really difficult you're a road dog Dana you know that you're a road dog well, was. Was. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Sometimes we'd get so little time off, sometimes I'd only get a day off and have to come home. the second break we'll be back in one minute to continue discussing all that happened with dana hartwick on rock school back to that uh at one point we were in um florida and my uh uncle passed away and they sh uh flew me in to play for his funeral well so i had to stop at this one uh, uh record store to get music to put together to play and uh so i just started talking with the owner and told him what i was doing and and he said, well, I've got a claim to fame. I played the bassoon part on Tears of a Clown. Uh, <laughs> I turned around and said, oh, no, you didn't. No, you did not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that, see what I mean? P other people are taking a credit for them. Um, I'll just, bet you've been lied about a whole lot by other people oh, who yeah. play a flute. Oh, yeah.
I've asked you everything I have, but you told me that you wrote out like three pages of stuff for this interview. What didn't I hit? It's impossible well, to sum you up, but how, what it's, didn't it's I hit? It's just kind of like uh, maybe some songs here and there, um, but like uh, the opening Aquarius, that's an old one with Marilyn McCoo. Uh, I, I recorded that. It's not, I think another flute played with me. I don't remember. I got someone on occasionally playing the low part and the da-da-da-da-da. I did the high part, and that's how I realized that I, you know, did that. And then there was Standing in the Shadows of Love, and then the flute part of Melody, My Sharia Moore, Stevie. Yeah. Uh, that that was important. Oh, um, across from Hitsville is where uh, Maxine Powell, she was the one who dressed the uh, the uh, singers, mm-hmm. like the Temptations and the Supremes, and she was so prim and proper, and she was such a nice, funny little lady, uh, Maxine Powell. That's where she used to do that, at, a, at a, also a house, but right across from Hitsville. Any, and, anything uh, else for me? Well, You're well, killing me here, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> I just got lots and lots of stuff. No, we we kind of hit everything, except my very first chance to play uh, musical theater actually was the Fisher Theater here, and it was just two blocks, oh, maybe three blocks, uh, across uh, from Motown. And the uh, opening show was On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. I know it, and yep. Yeah, you do. Of course, wow. my my father was a huge fan of that stuff. I know it all. Yeah, believe uh, me. Keel, yeah, Keel. Yes, right. Uh, I can't think of his first name now. Keel. I can see him, but anyway. Okay. Um, we did the first week, and it was three weeks, and I thought, wow, I get to do three weeks because everything there was generally just a week, or sometimes it would be opening before they went on Broadway. But anyway, this particular one. Uh, is when the riot, 67 riots started. Yes. Oh, and so they had to close down the theater. My first chance to do that, but I do remember the very last performance I did at the end of the uh, first week. Uh, Well, first of all, we'd see the uh, trucks going by with the men in it and the guns and everything and it yeah. was like unbelievable and but and then a couple times they say stay away from this area but we'd have to go downtown to get our checks at Motown <laughs> and uh, but anyway my last performance there they actually had uh, well they had everybody uh, screened you know to come in to play yeah. but they actually had me open up my flute case thinking it was a gun oh man It'd be a small yeah. gun but yeah. hey Dana 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 yes it's Howard Keel. Howard Keel. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I knew it was. The other wasn't right. And uh, uh, I hope, well, I will eventually. I also donated a piccolo to the museum there. So eventually, um, hopefully I'll have my own. Well, I'll work with him in putting up my own display there. But it's going to yeah. be probably years to live. What, what do you do now, Dana? How do you spend the di- uh, days here? It's very boring. Because, you you know, I mean, I played a lot, I mean, except for this last year. So basically nothing because nothing started and I probably won't because I don't even like to uh, go downtown at night. Not that it's dangerous. It's just that uh, 
well, I'm not the uh, youngest person around, and I don't, I don't feel safe going around on my own at night. Well, Dana, I would never ask you your age, but you sound spry as anything. Well, yeah, I've been through a mess, <laughs> a lot of messes, uh, but things are fine now, yes. Your life is a book. You mentioned that earlier in the interview. Your life is in a fact, book. In fact, somebody uh, approached me last Friday. They said, oh, you sh- don't worry about doing a book. You need a documentary. And uh, so she got me on Facebook, and I mean, I don't know anything i don't even think it'll my myself that it will yeah. come to fruition but uh i haven't i have no idea about it <laughs> well well dana this time do me a favor if it comes to fruition do me a favor please mm-hmm. get okay. a contract get a contract because oh, yeah. you haven't had yeah. one yet right so, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's wonderful right. and i i should have had well i didn't know again uh um somebody uh kind of getting me jobs. All this I did on my own. I never had any, uh, um, you know, people in the business to uh, take over. Yeah. Well, still still lots of time. Dana, thank you for talking with us. Dana Hartwick, the flutist, flautist, and piccolo player for Motown, as well as a lot of other places. Dana, you're wonderful. Thank you for spending an hour oh, plus with me. Oh, thank you. This was great today. Oh, thank you.